There's no shame in the real you. No, no not <laughs> at all. The real me is pretty amazing. <laughs> Welcome to the Thoughts on Digital podcast, ideas and insight about the ever-changing world of digital marketing. How's it going, everyone? My name's Adam Levine, and today I'm sitting down with Rob Spierenberg, CEO and co-founder of All Things Media. Today we're going to be talking about virtual reality and the automotive industry. How's it going, Rob? No complaints. No yeah. complaints. Feeling good. Yeah. Feeling Fair. good about VR. Feeling good about the automotive industry. Okay. Well, Decided that's good. To talk about it. <laughs> Those are the things we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, so, you know, here at ATM, we do a lot of automotive, right? And over the years, we've built a portfolio of things like that, you know, um, for, for various clients. And VR, while it's not brand new to us, it's it's pretty new to the world at large, right? Yeah. And there's, there's a pretty big impact that we're starting to see now. Um, starting to happen. And why don't we talk a little bit about where you think, you know, things are, and then we'll talk about where things are maybe headed. Sure. Um, well, VR in general is still, is still in its infancy. And a lot of people think that, you know, it kind of peaked, you know, last year or the year before when there was all this buzz about it, and then it just kind of fell away. When the truth is that was really the first foray into consumer-ready VR sure. devices and VR experiences. Um, here, I mean, you know, we've been dabbling with VR for a while, but it didn't really hit me as as the next big coming thing until I tried on the HTC Vive. Because before that, all VR was just looking around in 360, but you couldn't move around, put your face up to things, really experience sure. them the way that you do in the real world. And the first time I engaged with the HTC Vive, I realized, you know, this is going to be big. Oh, it was huge. Um, when it's going to be big. You know, when right. it's going to go mainstream really depends. But you look at just, you know, the the VR devices that have come out in the past, you know, two to three years. It's crazy. I mean, I think the Vive is only maybe like two and a half, three years old. Yeah, something like that. Um, and, and so, you know, you have these big bulky headsets, you know, like the Vive, but with, you know, these full-featured um, bulky headsets. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum, which is like the Samsung Gear Google Cardboard thing. Right. Um Sort of but, the easier entry point into VR. Yeah, but I feel like now the uh, the hardware manufacturers are moving to kind of fill that gap, right? Um, you had like devices that were dependent on the phone, devices that were dependent on the PC, but now we're seeing a lot more devices come out that have the computer built into them, right? Like the uh, the Oculus Go mm -hmm. is a great example. Now that's that's something relatively low price point, you know, sub two hundred dollars or you know between two and three, depending. Right. Um, has a controller, has a good 360, you know, a nice field of view, um, doesn't have room scale or the ability to kind of walk around, but um, it, it has the computer built into the device. So it's a way simpler and easier to use. And I, I realized the value of that thing when I, I got stuck in an airport with, with one uh, you know, on a layover, not even on a layover. My flight was like delayed, like, mm -hmm. like six hours. Right. And I spent like four hours inside really? of there and I didn't even notice the time pass because wow. it was like, I wasn't in an airport. I was wherever. Was that I like was. games or was that movie? Uh, oddly enough, a little of both. <laughs> but, but the, the thing that I found really strange is I watched a fair amount of Netflix. Sure. And Netflix has this thing where you, you, you turn it on and in the VR device, you're sitting in this virtual living room, which I thought was kind of hokey okay. and silly when I first saw it. Right. But then when I actually used it, it really has an effect on your viewing experience. You underestimate how much the environment that you're watching a movie in affects your appreciation hmm. of the movie. It's almost like a, like in a, a nice hotel. It's like, yeah, it's like right? a little virtual couch in like this little like lodgy kind of Colorado oh, okay. ski lodge Oh, thing. They, they, they really put like a... Yeah. 
They, they put a design in the there. TV they, they like, didn't keep oh, it generic. They really, they really thought it out. <laughs> okay. And then you have the ability to turn that off. And I turned that off. And what I found was when I turned it off, I started getting maybe not sick, but you know, a little bit more uncomfortable. Well, um, when you turn it off, what was there? Was it just, just gray a space with a big screen? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, you know, you're yeah. putting something in, you're going to immerse yourself. But in you, you well. imagine if you watch something on your phone, you know, you're not, you're not concerned about the environment. You're just absorbed in your phone. Right. But you have an environment. Yeah. Like, you know, you don't just have grayness. I was surprised, <laughs> at, I was surprised at how disconcerting it was to, to watch, you know, a Netflix video in the That's void, in the gray void. <laughs> in the so, void. But the Lodgy thing was really cool. It makes you feel really comfortable. And after a while you get used to it. I'm sure they did so much like just testing to figure out what, what yeah. most people like and feel comfortable. But I, I was surprised. Though. But then if you look at other devices, so you've got the Oculus Go. Yeah. Now both Oculus and I believe Vive are coming out with all-in-one head units that will have the 360 view, but also a certain amount of room scale or the ability to move around and okay. walk around the space. And, you know, the price points keep coming down. The technology and the tracking keeps getting better. You know, and you've got a lot of major players in the space. With Microsoft with their their um, mixed reality headsets, you've got Vive, you've got Oculus, and you know, Oculus is backed by Facebook, which is making a lot of inroads and are really big plans, it seems. Sure. For for VR, um, so I don't imagine that it's going to go away by any means. And I think if anything, we we saw this big spike where everybody got excited about the tech a little too early. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're going through now is kind of the the quiet revolution that's going to happen over the next you know year or two, um, where better content and better devices are developed until somebody comes out with a headset that becomes ubiquitous. Right. You know? Right. And whether or not that's a, a straight VR headset or a VR augmented reality combination, where you have a set of augmented reality glasses that can also serve a VR function. Hololens actually has um, kind of a VR mode. It's um. It's hollow tours is really more of a VR experience mm -hmm. than an augmented reality experience, but it's, it's quite compelling. Um, the problem is HoloLens has a limited field of view. Right. So I feel like once somebody solves that field of view issue, which we're already seeing better fields of view coming sure. out in the new versions, right. um, there, you know, the hardware for augmented reality versus virtual reality becomes less of a distinction. Mm -hmm. AR is just, you know, leaving enough of your vision open to see it mapped into the space, right. whereas VR is completely blocking it out. But I think we'll see devices come out that do both mm -hmm. and do both well. So speaking about, you know, you know, that's really talks, talks to the fact of, you know, how the hurdle of getting it in someone's home is, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but for those people that do wind up with it, you know, whether it's a headset or like Google Cardboard or just straight up holding your phone up and, and moving it around. Which isn't really VR, but it's kind of like VR. Right, yeah. right. But sort of that... that Magic window. That, exactly. That yeah. sort of experience. What do you think, you know, are some of the benefits to the consumer at that point, you know, to not... You know, as far as the, you know, maybe the showroom experience goes. Obviously, we I have a very or we have a very specific take on this. Right. Um, we created the Cadillac and VR experience that right. allows dealerships to have a, a VR headset there that will let the customers see every vehicle in, in the line, right? And do any customization to the vehicles that they want, jump into the back seats, you know, look at the tire, look at the, you know, the steering wheel um, really close up and get a good feel for the vehicle. And I think in the short term, um, what we did for Cadillac was really just a way of augmenting dealerships that didn't have a lot of space on the lots, allowing customers to see the full, you know, vehicle line in a place where, you know, it's impossible for a dealership to have 24,000 iterations of, right, of, of, the, of their right. vehicles. 
But with something like this, you know, you can see an Escalade and, and get the feel, get a feel for it. But maybe it's not the exact one you want. You can put on the headset and see every possible color. Um, and even if they don't have an Escalade on the lot, you can see the Escalade. You can jump in the back seat. You can get a feel for it, which really I feel like is the last step that somebody needs before making a purchase mm -hmm. of that size. Uh, so, you know, outside of driving it, which right. I think you know a fair amount of people will need to drive it. There's a lot of people that don't. Oddly enough, There's yeah, I'm not of one people, of them. But yeah, yeah you know. a lot of people don't have to drive the car. I mean, I personally insist on a test drive of every vehicle, but there's quite a few people out mm. there that don't, um, as evidenced by the fact that online purchasing of automobiles is is you know exponentially increasing over time. It's crazy, yeah. but there's people that are buying vehicles online, you know, sight unseen. Yeah. Um, so when you think about the growth of of kind of high value sales and luxury sales um, online and the fact that this is becoming a thing, you really need another more experiential way to engage with a product. If you're going to make that purchase, if you're going to, the kind of person that is going to buy a car online right, um, or is on the verge of buying a car online, um, it makes sense to have experiences like this to allow them to get as close as they can to kicking the tires. Right. You need right. something to tip the scales really and then, you know, yeah, to make exactly. That. So that's the one side of it. Yeah, but it, you know, so from a uh, a commercial standpoint, or from an automotive manufacturer standpoint, the benefit is reduced cost of overhead in terms of not having to maintain these massive inventories if they yep. don't need to. Yep. Um, increased chance of, of of a sale just by the customer actually being able to see what they want to buy, and um, and potentially increased customer satisfaction uh, lessens the frustration of them not having the the vehicle that they want for them to see there. And it also increases the chances that they'll be able to make sales online. Right. Um, where it really gets interesting, I think, though, um, the, 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 is when it starts to come into the home. When people um, have these VR sets at, headsets at home and they can engage in these kind of very, you know, experiential, um, visceral VR applications when they can engage with the vehicle in a very visceral and experiential way they're, they're going to get a much better sense for it. It's great for them. But what's really interesting to me is up until now, people are already doing all their shopping online. Yep. Right. They're, they're going online, they're researching the car, they're seeing what it looks like. They're figuring out the price. They're going to true car or any one of a million other places sure. to figure out their best right. price. And the only time that they actually engage with the dealership or talk to anybody that represents the brand is when they start negotiating price, which is the most contentious point in the relationship, right? If you're, if you're going to, yep. you know, have a sale go, you know, the, the worst part of it is when you get down to the nitty gritty and start debating price and they, they push back on you and you push back on them and vice right. versa. The best part of the experience is actually when you're first looking at the vehicle, figuring out what color you want. That's the exciting part. Right. Right. So for automotive manufacturers, the, the increase in online shopping, not even purchasing online, but just research online mm -hmm. has really lessened, um, that, that, kind of connection between the, the brand representative and the customer. Right. And so when you look at something like, like VR in the home, we've been working with multi-user VR so that somebody who's looking at this in the home could, you know, press a button or, or press a little call button and a virtual dealer, you know, a dealer in the dealership could put on a headset and, and appear and in the space with them, with them and yeah. walk them through, answer any questions that they have. Um, and what's so great about that is now you've got the, the dealer, the brand representative there at the inception of the car buying experience, the most important right, and most the exciting best part. part. Yeah. yeah. So as we see, I mean, I think there's been an enormous um, shift in the automotive industry and in most um, luxury retail or high-end retail industries 
where customers are increasingly pulling away from that personal relationship with the brand. Hmm. And they're becoming far more distant because they have all of this research. It used to be they had to talk to somebody at the dealership to find out what they wanted to right. know. Right. They can do this all on their own now. Exactly. And and the younger generations are. Yeah. Uh, and they're coming in well-informed, in, in many cases more informed than the person standing standing on the floor. Yeah. Because they, they know exactly what car they want. And they go in armed with all the knowledge about this one car and every price and every spec. And, you know, they're talking to somebody that's trying to sell 24 different vehicle models right. and asking them very pointed and specific questions. And I think that um, getting back to that, that genesis or that early point in the, in the buying experience is something that's, that's crucial. It's crucial as, as brands try to reconnect and establish relationships with the younger generation. And it's, it's crucial in terms of, of getting ready for, you know, the increasing exodus to online retail. Yeah, I think just it just to speak to the idea of getting ready, not just being ready for the onslaught of everyone moving online, um, but to give your dealers a training tool for the brand, right? Yeah. So, you know, speaking about, you know, not knowing all the things, but these people know everything coming in, you know, you yeah. could have a leg up or be at least on the same playing field as your consumer if you give your employees the training by putting them in the same experience yeah. and having them go through it. And that's, and that's another big part of what we've done. Um, you know, we've, you know, there's, there's a lot of training aspects to just the VR tool. And when you talk about multi-user VR mm -hmm. from a training perspective, yeah. think about when they release a new engine that's never been, you know, released in a market before. They've got the engineer that built it or a bunch of engineers that really know it. And they have to train all of the engineers here Right. Um, and teach them about it and make sure that they know how to service it so that they can train all of the local engineers. Um, that is an enormously time-exhaustive time and expensive process, right? Because that, that engineer, you know, let's say he's in Germany or, or in some other country, maybe he's even in, in here, maybe he's in Detroit. Sure. Has to take two weeks out of his work schedule. Right. Catch a flight, check into a hotel, you know, at a conference center, they have to take the same amount of time or however much time out of the lives of 30 other individuals, fly them down to that location, check them yep. into a hotel. Then once they, they're done paying for flights and time and the conference space, then they have to pay for an engine, right, so that they can right. put it there exactly. and rip it apart. Exactly. And even when they rip the engine apart, you know, they're only looking at the pieces. And maybe they have a fully assembled engine and they can look at it that way but they're not really able to see much of what's going on inside from an engineering perspective or to truly understand it on, on kind of a more, you know, a more deep level. But with something like VR, and we've created demos of this, you could have all 30 of those people put on a headset, take an hour out of their day, throw on a headset from wherever they are, appear in a space with the engine in a virtual space, and be able to engage with it in a way that, that you could never engage with the engine in the real world. You know, yeah. be able to ghost out the exterior, see how the interior components are running while, while the engine's revving, um, create faults in the engine, and then have the attendees try and diagnose it. There's a million different training methodologies or, or ways of handling this. There's a million different ways to train with this that um, you know are just not available today. Take away the fact that it's going to save an enormous amount of money in terms of flying all these people down, hotels and flights and time. Sure. And, and tearing apart engines and all that stuff. Right. Take all of that away. When it comes to modern e-learning pedagogy or, or the methodologies that, that have become really mainstream, it's generally understood that sitting somebody down for more than an hour block of instruction is never a good idea, mm -hmm. right? Because after hour one, hour two, hour three, people start to tune out, yep. right? They get tired, they get worn out. 
Well, it, it kind of goes in the face of the way they're training now because the way that they're training now is they're flying somebody there and because they're paying for all of this stuff and because of all yeah, of that sure. stress and time, they're, they're locking them into eight hour, nine hour days of right. constant training because they want them to just take it all in. But what um, educators have, have been increasingly saying is that, you know, we can absorb a lot, but if you're trying to get somebody to understand something, don't, you know, if you want, once, let's say the brain is a cup, don't pour a swimming pool on it, right? Because you're <laughs> sure. only going to get some of the pool. Sure, sure. Um, what you want is to break it up into little sessions so that, that people can take in the information and retain it. it so sense, yeah. a VR system like this, take an hour out of your day, you can break that eight-hour training session across a week, across a couple of weeks, and it's only taking an hour out of their day each time. Yeah. So it, it, it seems like a logical jump um, for training, not only in automotive, but in a wide range, range of industries. And um, I think you're going to see a lot more of that cropping up soon. Um, obviously, we've created some tools that do this, um, and, and some of the big players in the space are also experimenting with it as well. I mean, um, you know, things like uh, like Holodeck for uh, NVIDIA, they have a platform that does something very similar. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's always going to be a need for those experiences to not just be looking at a model, but engaging with it in some way. Right. Seeing animations or... Um, the ability to kind of create little interactive tests where a group can kind of engage in it together. And those are the types of things that, that we're, we're pushing on and that we're, we're working on really hard. And those are the things that got us into NRF. Sure. Um, this year as, as, you know, one of the most innovative companies at NRF. Um, and, and those are the types of things that, that are going to continue to move the needle in the years to come. What do you think about, um, you know, speaking of the, the future, what do you think is sort of um, on the horizon there, you know? So multi-user VR, I think, is that next step, you know, next iteration in VR. But I, I, I wonder if there's any, you know, predictions that might come from that. Well, know? I mean, might come from multi-user. Multi-user or just, you know, this this sort of, you know, shared experience that someone could have. Well, yeah, I mean, th th that's the thing. Never before in our lives, um, or at least in my life, has there been a you know, a software or technology that has the potential to affect so many industries and so many ways that we do things. I think multi-user is a step, right? I think you're going to see artificial intelligence being integrated into VR so that the, the other person in that space doesn't necessarily have to be a person, yeah. but it can be an artificial intelligence, you know, and, and this is scary ground because I, you know, it, it's, it does fly in the face of a lot of jobs out there, but you know, in reality, down the road, that, that virtual dealer that you call when you're shopping for a vehicle inside the VR space could be an artificial intelligence that has access, you know, like I was saying, you go and you ask about the specific car and they don't know because they've got 24 models or 60 models that they need to know. Yeah, well, the AI. Um, with AI, it'll have instant access right. to every, every fact, every, everything on record about the vehicle. What's more, it'll also potentially have access to every, every time somebody's asked that question in the past. That's, right. Yeah, that's and crazy. so from that, they, they could infer, think about the way a Pandora playlist works, right? You play this song and then you like it. And then, you know, it gives you another song. You don't like it. You like it. And then right. over the time, machine learning, it figures out, okay, people that like this song probably are going to like this song, this song, and this song. The same could apply to a sales process, right? Like somebody that asks this question that's interested in this mm -hmm. is probably going to be interested in this, this, and this. And how many times when somebody has asked this question has it led to a sale? And what's the, the pathway 
that led to that sale. And so every question that you ask in artificial intelligence gives it, it gives it a pathway. It can figure out the best thing to where, where to go next right. to drive you further, further onto that sale or in a less, you know, malicious or malevolent <laughs> way, um, or to, to give you the information that you need. Right. right? No. Um, so I, it's very interesting. I think here we're, we're looking at the artificial intelligence side of things. We're working with AI and, and but we're not, we're not looking to replace anybody. What we are looking to do though is create a way for AI to be visualized within a VR space because a lot of people are focusing on what it's going to say and how it's going to think and what it's going to do. But equally important as we move into like a, a virtual reality and augmented reality world is how is it going to move? How sure. is it going to look? How is it going to behave? Because the way that I talk to you, if I was just talking like this the whole time, no arms and just very still terrifying. like this, exactly. it's terrifying and, and it doesn't feel natural. Right. And AI is going to be all about making it feel natural, mm -hmm. right? And so the movements are things that we can already start to capture with real person engagements in a multi-user VR space. We can say, okay, when this guy's talking, where did he move his hands when he was saying this? What was he saying? What was his intent? What was his mood? How do the hands move? How does the head move? Wow. And start using that to inform kind of movement models that will ultimately be mapped onto AI. Hmm. So it's all going to tie together at some point. And I think we are, we've seen any any kind of consistency or any kind of trend in in the, in the industry that we're in over mm -hmm. the past twenty years. It's it's the trend of convergence. Things that are separate, innovations that happen separately, ultimately combine. Yeah. You know, you talk about you know the cell phone and uh, and and the computer. And, and the audio player and all of these different devices that used to be, you know, five different devices or three or four different devices you'd carry around, yeah. CD player, all that stuff, they're all now combined into one device, right? And now that device also includes augmented reality and the ability to do virtual reality. And I think if you look at it from a technology standpoint, artificial intelligence, augmented reality, virtual reality, wearables, right. all of these things are also going to converge um, and become one thing. That, that everybody engages with and that adapts to whatever the, the existing need is. That's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really, <laughs> that's, that's a lot <laughs> a, to soak in. It's right a cool, there, you know? <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a, an amazing and terrifying future we face. Yes. In that many we're, ways. That we're building for yeah. ourselves. But, uh, but it's exciting to be part of it. Yeah. And, you know, I think as a company, our focus is making sure that in all of this cool technology and in all of these amazing advances we're going to make, you know, in, in the future, that the human element of that doesn't get lost. Absolutely. The, because like it or not, online sales, all the stuff that's that's going on um, in the industry, at the end of the day, that, that personal human connection is more valuable than all of the tech that we've brought out, right? You know, uh, uh, trust and the ability to talk to a person or to connect with other people is always going to be an important thing. And I sound like I'm marketing a social network, but there, there's going to be a social aspect to every every new technology that comes out ultimately. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for mildly concerning me, but also enlightening <laughs> me on the My topic. My pleasure. Next, you time, next time you want to be frightened. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. I'll just, uh, just give you a ring. Just come by. You want some nightmares, <laughs> I got you covered. <laughs> Thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Ideas always go further when they're shared. If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on iTunes or drop us a comment on YouTube. Let us know what you think about today's topic. We'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.